Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Never forget that the virtue signaling is more important than anything to some, to too many, certainly politically, that you have to show that you are good and decent regardless of whether or not the thing that you are showing is actually good or decent. You have to show that you are this caring, loving person regardless of whether or not the thing you are caring about or loving is actually valuable or worth caring about or worth love. That's the case in Massachusetts where it is now against the law to throw out blue jeans. Oh, yes, they've solved all the other problems. They're now on to this. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What you doing, fool? 833-468-8669. Find everything. TonyKatz.locals.com. This is, this is true, by the way. Massachusetts residents must recycle their old clothing and other textiles instead of tossing them into the trash. You can find this uh, on GBH uh, over there. You can find this on the, the local in, in Boston. It's a ban that started on November 1st from the Massachusetts Department of Environmental Protection. Mattresses and textiles to the list of things that are banned from uh, disposal. Clothing, footwear, bedding, towels, curtains, fabric, and similar products. If it has mold or bodily fluids, insects, oil, or hazardous substances, then, and only then, with the bodily fluids, can you throw it out? Ew, David. Only then. Can... Oh, it's just so gross. But the story here is that this recycling stuff doesn't work. It does not work. Now, you can argue, you know, there's some things you shouldn't actually dispose of in a landfill. There are some things, battery things, for example, you should dispose in in more specific places so they get the proper care that they need. That's not being a radical. That's being rational. Do you see the difference? It is not radical to note that some things might need to be tossed in certain places. You may want to be have more care. But as we saw, recycling writ large doesn't work. Greenpeace admits that recycling doesn't work. Solid piece over at City Journal from John Tierney just the other day. Even Greenpeace has finally acknowledged the truth. Recycling plastic makes no sense. Well, of course it doesn't make sense. My wife is desperate to want to do this. She just, she's like, hey, if it's a simple thing that I can do and it helps, I'm, I'm in. You know that if you have plastic, you recycle it. But if the plastic needs to be rinsed out because it was holding a food item, then you don't. I'm sorry, what? That, 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 them be the rules. Them be the rules. That's not a rule. That's insane. Cardboard you recycle, but cardboard that might have cheese on it from the pizza delivery, you do not. So the whole thing doesn't get recycled because the top is a little bit of cheese? What's the matter? They didn't have that little plastic thing that prevents greatest invention in the world. The little plastic thing that keeps the lid from smashing down on the pizza. Genius! And then after you're done eating, it's a toy. It doesn't make any sense. Of course the recycling 
doesn't work. Of course it was all mythology from the beginning. That's that's recycling in, in, in some mass way. Not certain things specifically where we can show, hey, we'd be better off if we did X, Y, and Z. People will do that when you speak to them like they're rational people. When you speak to them like they're adults. When you speak to them like they're children and threaten fines and everything else, that's when they just get dismissive. It's just rude. When you're not making sense and they know it. The jeans? The jeans are a problem in the landfill? They're going to have a hard time selling that one. But it's Massachusetts, so these people might buy into anything, regardless of whether or not it's legitimate. Diego Morales, a lot of talk about him, Secretary of State candidate Republican in Indiana. We had a chance to speak to him. That interview is coming up next. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today. In the state of Indiana, nothing has had more talk in terms of midterm elections than the Secretary of State race. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. Uh, this race has is a three-party race with libertarians and Democrats having people in uh, the, the running, the Republicans, have Diego Morales, the website Diego for Indiana, that's the number four, Diego for Indiana dot com. Diego Morales joins us uh, right now. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Let's start with, with the basics. Uh, the job of Secretary of State, as you see it, is what? And what is it that you believe you bring to the job that is necessary for Hoosiers? Well, Tony, thank you for the opportunity. Good morning to my fellow Hoosiers all uh, all across uh, our great state. Uh, so, yes, um, there are four main responsibilities of the Secretary of State. Uh, I believe uh, I'm humbly qualified to do the job. Uh, what I bring on, obviously, uh, under the election division you know i've been preparing myself for this job i've been a poll worker myself i have been uh, crisscrossing all over the 92 counties uh, meeting with county clerks working with them learning from them listening from them to make sure that we can have free fair safe and transparent elections uh, my motto has always been easy to vote harder to cheat we can come back to that under the business division i'm a small business owner myself I have right, uh, you know, checks in front and back. Uh, I know how to create jobs in the state of Indiana. That's how I pay the bills. That's how I bring food on the table. And my goal is to help small business owners to be more prosperous. For example, under the business division of the Secretary of State's office, Tony, I like to bring tax services, professional licensing, and business certification into the portal, into the INBIS portal. I like to create a one true stop shop when it comes to the business division of the Secretary of State's office. Under the Securities Division, I would like to expand the financial literacy program to teach our children how to make smart investments. Also, um, as you know, we have an increasingly large elderly population, and I would like to help them to avoid scams. And finally, under the auto dealers division, I would like to work with them and help with them to make sure that their license plates and registrations will be issued in a timely manner. So those are the main four responsibilities, uh, obviously, of the Secretary of State's office. You know, my first business that I started, you know, many years ago was in transportation, in logistics. So I bring that uh, expertise in business 
but also uh, I serve humbly with a green card in my wallet uh, in the United States military. I was not even a, a U.S. citizen when I was willing to show my love and gratitude to the American people. Uh, as well, I'm educated. I went to college, uh, got my MBA uh, as well, and my an international MBA overseas. And I know that you've served in, in the Indiana government in a couple of capacities, uh, some stories there that we can get into. But let's get back to the conversation of, of elections, because I think that's where people really see the secretary of state race. Talking to Diego Morales, candidate for secretary of state, a Republican, Diego for Indiana dot com. Is it your belief that there is a, a fraud in our elections? Are there things that you're trying to root out, things that you may have discovered? Um, is there something that you're going to bring to? that specifically uh, that uh, the Democrat uh, Destiny Wells or the Libertarian Jeff Maurer cannot? You know, in Indiana so far, uh, under the leadership of my former boss, uh, Todd Rokita, you know, when he introduced the very first photo ID law, uh, you know, it's been running uh, good elections, but there is a lot of room for improvement. That's when I come in. My goal is to make it better, to make it more efficiently, and to make it more flexible. So absolutely, uh, there is more room. If, if you see, uh, according to the Heritage Foundation, we are number 14th. I'd like to be, uh, you know, at the very least in the top 10, if not in the top five. So absolutely, that will be my goal, to make it better, uh, efficiently, and trans- transparent. And also, uh, if, if I may, you know... You may? Uh, a couple of my policies that I am uh, actually promoting as I crisscross all 92 counties day in, day out, seven days a week. You know, I am actually uh, talking about protecting and expanding photo ID laws in Indiana. We already have that, but I want to protect it and expand it because, you know, the Democrats, they want to get away of photo ID laws. I'm against that, you know, uh, which this includes. You're talking about uh, having an ID in order to vote, correct? Well, we, we do. We already have that when you go in person hitting Indiana. What I'm talking about expanding it is when it comes to mail-in voting. That's what I, I'm trying to make sure that everybody will show an idea as well, you know. So uh, uh, the other thing I would like to work with our partners, the congressional delegation, you know, to push back on the Democrats who are attempting to federalize and nationalize our elections. I'm against that. You know, the Democrats, they want to put drop boxes in every corner. You know, they want to uh, obviously... Uh, make they want same day voter registration. The Democrats want automatic voter registration. They want private funding on election officials and government. I'm against all of that. You know, I am actually pushing on again strengthening and expanding photo ID laws to limit absentee ballots. Uh, we need to prevent ballot harvesting. You know, that's what those are the type of issues that I'm promoting to push back on the federal government. We as Hoosiers should have everything to say when it comes to our elections. Well, let's discuss this in, in maybe a little more uh, detail about this argument that you're making. Your difference, as you put it, Diego, talking to Diego Morales, candidate for secretary of state in Indiana, Diego for Indiana, number four, Diego for Indiana. Dot com. This difference that you have with, for example, uh, the, the Democrats, this would be, to me, the kind of thing that you would be discussing in 
a debate forum where you could clearly show the difference between you and your competitors. Of course, a lot was made of the fact that a debate was offered up and you declined uh, to to attend. What was the decision about not attending a debate? Do you feel it hurts you in, in, in this election? You know, first of all, as far as I know, there, there, has, uh, there hasn't been a debate uh, for Secretary of State. There, there isn't a debate for state treasurer, for state auditors. Uh, you know, no one is talking about this. Uh, I see debates uh, for governor, for U.S. Senate, or for Congress. In fact, you know, uh, my uh, colleagues uh, running in the 7th and 1st Congressional District, they're asking uh, Congressman Marban and Congressman Carson, they're not even giving them a debate. So to me, it's a double standard that the media is asking for this. But uh, I think but the I- question would still apply to Frank Marvan in the 1st and to Andre Carson in the 7th. Uh, Marvan will not debate Jennifer Ruth Green, you're saying. And of course, we know that Andre Carson will not debate uh, Angela Gabrowski in the 2nd. I'm asking specifically uh, about yours, that there was indeed a debate. Did you not consider that debate to be legitimate? Absolutely, because since day one, I am a grassroots guy, and I've been crisscrossing the 92 counties, talking to voters face-to-face, one-on-one, listening to them, uh, listening from their concerns. And it's always been my campaign. You know, before the convention, I put 150,000 miles in my car, earning every uh, you know, support. And after the convention to now, I already have over 30,000 miles crisscrossing all 92 counties. I'm a grassroots guy, and that's what I want to be. Uh, people can see me at parades, at festivals, uh, in public events, uh, registering voters at the, in, at the Indiana Black Expo, at the Indiana Latino Expo. Uh, I've been out there day in, day out, seven days a week, and that's who I am, and that's what I decide to do. Go so you didn't feel that, that skipping the debate, and there, there was a debate, we should be clear, uh, you didn't feel that that had any negative uh, effect on you. you, did, you did you not feel you were going to be able to speak your piece? Did you feel that you weren't going to be able to engage? Did you feel simply it wasn't worth it? No, absolutely not. I believe I made the right choice to crisscross the 92 counties and uh, talking to Hoosiers directly face to face. So I'm very happy. uh, And, you know, I'm continue to do this and I'm going to continue to do that till 6 p.m. this Tuesday, talking to voters one on one face to face. So I'm I'm very, very happy with uh, what I've been doing because I'm a grassroots person. Before I let you go, Diego, Diego Morales, I'm speaking to sec- uh, candidate for Secretary of State, Republican candidate, Diego for Indiana, number four, Diego for Indiana, uh, uh, com. Of course, there's been um, uh, conversations uh, about you, controversy uh, uh, about you, stories uh, about you. You're not, I, I think, uh, a stranger to this or would say to that you've never heard uh, these things. You've made statements to uh, de- denying them. I am leaving that for another day. I want to get back to this role of the Secretary of State in elections, and I want to hear a a, a little more specificity. What is it that you think Destiny Wells would do as Secretary of State that makes her not the candidate and you the only choice? You know, uh, first of all, uh, let me say this real quick. Uh, You you brought something, uh, you know, real quick, uh, but I want to clarify this. I don't know what is the controversial when I've been crisscrossing all 92 counties, uh, raising a ton of money, out working and out raising everybody. You know, uh, let me be clear. The Democrats and the liberal media, 
this their playbook. When they have no ideas, when they have no vision, when they have no story to tell, they smear your name. And unfortunately, that's what they're doing. They're trying to smear and slander my good name with false accusations. And let me set the record straight. You know, I, I am very disappointed and insulted by all of them, you know, specifically by my Democrat opponent peddling accusations from anonymous sources. And, you know, it is a disgrace and shame on them. This is their, this is that, what's their playbook. But let me tell you this why. The Democrats, what they're going to do, they're going to work with the federal government to take over our elections. They're going to work against our state legislature. They're going to work against our congressional delegation, they're going to work against uh, and undo everything we have done if uh, a Democrat gets there. But, you know, I'm focusing on talking about my issue. You heard about my vision. You heard about what I'm trying to do here. I'm so focused on what I want to get done for Hoosiers because it's never been about me. It's always been about giving back to my fellow Hoosiers. As a legal immigrant who came to America legally, all I've been doing is trying to give back and you know what? I'm happy. I'm fine with what I'm doing because it's never been about me. So I'm going to continue to give back to this state, to this country that I love. And I'll tell you, I'm very, very proud of the work we have done so far. That is Diego Morales, candidate for secretary of state, Republican candidate, Diego for Indiana, number four, Diego for Indiana dot com. And, and I'm not kidding. That website is just dreadful. There, there's nothing to learn about the man there. I thought that was pretty odd. You're. And, and this has been a part of the campaign and why I think he didn't debate, which we should be clear about something. There was a debate. He did not participate. So when he said there was no debate, that, that, was, that was an odd answer. And that's why we went back. Well, of course, there was a, a debate because there was indeed a debate. I'm not saying you had to show up, but you're going to get asked questions for sure about a debate. That happened and you decided not to show up to. I think that, that that's pretty rational. Also, I was not going to discuss with him the uh, sexual impropriety allegations. That just wasn't going to be something I didn't feel I had time for it. Uh, it, it, it it's been asked and answered, if, if, if you will, but that he got into it. This is a slander. This is a smear. None of this happened. This is the playbook. I mean, for the the hard political right, that's that's the answer. That's the answer. I don't know if it worked for anybody else. I don't know if the if the conversation worked for, for anybody else. I, I, I truly don't know. I, I will say this. He came on the show. He came on the show, and it's appreciated. Not everybody comes on the show. Destiny Wells, Democrat running for Secretary of State, has said no. Uh, Tom McDermott, running for Senate, U.S. Senate against Senator Todd Young, has said, has not responded. Neither has Ryan Mears, Marion County Prosecutor, the Democrat, has not responded to the interview request. Hasn't responded. So to that extent, uh, Diego did respond and was on. I think it was surprising for some people that he was being public because he hasn't been uh, speaking much, but he did come on. And we appreciate it. You decide what the interview meant and whether or not it's going to mean a vote or a no vote and how you think it affected people. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So first, they replace Matt Ryan with Sam Ellinger. Then they fire the offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady. No, no, not fired. He's been relieved of his duties as offensive coordinator. And then as the trade deadline looms, they trade Naeem Hines to the Buffalo Bills for Zach Moss. Is this a team already looking at 2023? Is that what I'm seeing here? 
Tony Katz, good to be with you guys. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. JMV joins us right now from 93.5107.5, The Fan, 3 to 6 p.m. And, and I heard, uh, JMV, I, I don't want to put words into your, to your mouth here. Here's, here's what I heard. Here's what the rumor mill told me, that when you learned about the Naeem Hines uh, trade, uh, on air you had yourself a, a little bit of a nutty. Yeah, I did. I cried a little bit because he's a good dude. He's a good dude that was never utilized the right way here. You know, when you think about it, he was a what a uh, fourth-round draft selection. They developed him, and then constantly the past two years, Tony, they've explained just how much better he's going to be. You know, go back to May earlier this year, Frank Reich said, if you got a fantasy football team, you better draft Naheem Hines, which I guess makes a little bit of sense now because now he actually has a quarterback and an offense and a head coach and other things around him now that are Super Bowl worthy. But the Colts never figured out accurately how to use him and i'm happy for him i really am i'm sad for me because 21 is a good dude he was a good dude for the community and he was underutilized around here but i am happy for him because i think he's going to go up there and i think he's going to be a smash along with the rest of that offense that's got all those super bowl aspirations i don't think anybody has an issue with Naeem Hines. I think that everybody does like him. And you bring up this conversation about being underutilized uh, by, by the Colts. Before we get into what kind of offense we're running, what kind of offense we should be running, because that's really the, the conversation you're bringing up, um, does this signal to you that the Colts have given up on the year? Um, I, I just, Listen, I look at it this way. I think they have just because of the way that they play. I think that they have because of the way their offensive line plays. I think they have because they haven't figured out a way. Because this offensive line, Tony, you and I have talked about this in the morning, in the uh, the midday, whatever. This offensive line is where it all starts. If it fails, this team, this offense especially, is going to fail. They have not found a way to get this thing not even halfway on track. One of the worst offensive lines right now in the NFL. So it starts right there. And, yeah. I would look at it. I'm just looking at it from what I see. They look absolutely done to me. There's no way Jim Irsay is ever going to say that. He's going to say, hey, you got to believe, and you can look around at the AFC, Tony, and the AFC is not great outside of a couple of teams, Buffalo included. But there is so much ground to make up with the way they've screwed up the first two months of this season. Yeah, I mean, that's the way that it looks to me. And really, I mean, even though Matt Ryan was a mess, um, and you could suggest that if he kept in there, they kept playing him, that they were tanking the season. I think they know that the riding is on the wall, much like uh, most of us and the fans do right now as well. Talking to JMV from 93.5, 1075. Uh, the fan, uh, you saw the response from some of the Colts players uh, on social media. Is, is this the kind of thing that hits a locker room as, oh, man, this really is as ugly as we, we think it is. Or is this the business, man? They're going to welcome Zach Moss uh, from the Bills uh, to the team, and they're just going to keep on, on slugging away. Does it really affect morale? I'd expect these dudes to be professional, but I don't know if it's going to affect the morale any more than you know what you hear. You go back to last week, Tony, when they installed Sam Ellinger as the quarterback. That was a week ago Monday, and – the reaction by that locker room was of surprise, but from what I've been told, the suggestion is that there was not only some surprise, but there were folks in there that weren't happy about that. They wondered, okay, so where's this thing going here? You're talking about a six-round selection. 
you know, we were sold on this product of Matt Ryan. We were sold on if something happens to Matt Ryan. Here comes a guy that's, you know, been a part of a Super Bowl winning team and quarterback in the Super Bowl to a win and Nick Foles. And now you're bringing up this guy that has never taken a starter snap in the NFL. I think it was more than just surprise last week, Tony. I think that there was, I'm not going to suggest complete dissension, but I think that there was a differing in opinions in that locker room amongst these players about the direction of this team. That leads to, I think, more of an issue at times than certainly moving on from Naheem. But it all can have, when you kind of upset things personnel-wise in the locker room, it can all have an effect, sometimes major, sometimes slightly. Talk to me about Zach Moss. We're getting this running back, but we seem to be a team that has running backs. We've got Jonathan Taylor. We we have uh, 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 Dion. We we there's somebody else. Philip Lindsay. Uh, we we also have as well a guy who has has a history of playing very very well. Has been to a Pro Bowl. We've got running backs. We don't have a fullback. We've got running backs. Talking about Zach Moss. Does he fit into this organization, or is he going to end up on a waiver wire somewhere? What's the story? I hate to say it this way. But who cares? Seriously, I mean, no, 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 no. You gotta <laughs> no, 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 no. Seriously, no. I, I hope that he has a role, but here's what's going to happen, Tony. He's going to come in, and occasionally he's going to he do something, and go, oh wow, that's great, and then you're going to forget about it. You want to know why? Because this overall offense is broken. This overall offense isn't going to do anything. Think about last Sunday, and I'm really happy for the kid. I am. I know it sounds like that I'm hardcore on Sam Ellinger, and I am not. I am happy for what he did. He didn't crap down his leg in that game. He looked just fine in that first start. They still scored 16 points. I mean, come on. There's no offense in the NFL where you can suggest they're going to win any game and especially string some together when you score 16 points. This offense is broken, and if you bring up you know, a guy that basically had lost reps in Buffalo uh, because of his level of play and because he fumbled the football, you might get a moment here or there, much like we've seen with this offense, where you can go, oh, wow, great, I'm glad we have him. And then you're going to get a lot of moments where this offense doesn't go anywhere and you're going to completely forget about it. So that's why I kind of take the, yeah, I don't really care because the offense is broken and it really ultimately doesn't matter, I guess, Tony. That's what brings us back to the weirdness of this trade. I have been staring at this all night. This trade doesn't make sense to the outsider because we get Zach Moss, who I have nothing against, and a six-round conditional pick for for Naeem Hines. So what was the purpose here? Did Hines ask for the trade? Is there a serious money consideration here when we talk about contracts that free up cap space for the future for us? Uh, What's what's the win here for the Colts? Naeem Hines did not directly ask for the trade, but through his representation was going to be cool if they would find a new seat for him. Because a couple of weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, he was you know, talking about this offense and the offensive woes after a game and said, hey, you know, look how many different quarterbacks there have been in here. And you could tell that there was a level of frustration. He had a level of frustration after last year with the way that he was utilized because he signed a new contract. And then, you know, you get some fans pointing the finger and saying, hey, this guy isn't worth it. They overpaid for him. What does he do? He doesn't produce. And he wants to go or wanted to go to a place to where he felt his talents were going to be completely utilized, and Buffalo was that place. So his reps suggested that he be traded, but not so much from Naheen. I mean, he's, he's a, a cool dude, and he's not going to do that. But, yeah, he was not at all sad that the folks that represent him helped out in this cause to get him dealt someplace else.
but when you take a look at Buffalo, who is he behind in in that chart? I know you got James Cook and some others. Uh, I'm, I'm, names eluding me right now. Yep. Who is he behind, or is he going to start being a featured back? Well, in yeah, Tony, in, what, in Buffalo. I mean, you got Devin Singletary, you got Cook. Where where does he fit? Well, I mean, he's he's after Singletary. Singletary is is their starter. What's interesting, I think, with the dynamic Tony with Buffalo is, you know, Josh Allen is a guy that spreads the ball around. Josh Allen is also when they run RPOs, that's a run pass option. Um, he oftentimes keeps it. Now, at some point, much like we saw with Andrew Luck, he's going to get broken in half. And then people are going to go from saying, wow, this guy's a tough runner to, oh, I wish he wouldn't get broken in half. He's going to miss some games. Now, that time's not now, and they may very well win a Super Bowl before that time happens. But at some point, somebody's going to break Josh Allen in half. But he runs the RPO. Sometimes he runs it. Sometimes he hands it off. Sometimes right. he backs up and finds Stephon Diggs down the field. So they have a variety of assets with that offense that they can utilize I just think that Naheem fits in really well what they want to do and really, to me, makes that offense in Buffalo even more potent than it was prior to his addition. And we're finally going to see his talents utilized with an innovative-slash-talented offense in Buffalo. JMV, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. He's on from 3 to 6 p.m. over there, 93.5107.5, the fan. Uh, That's where you catch him. I think he's JMV1070. Uh, on, uh, on on the Twitter box. I think people look at this as a dismantling of the team. I can't imagine this went over well. In the locker room, I can't imagine. But I, I don't have, as of yet, insight into the locker room. Politically, I can do it. This, uh, not not so much. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. I think the I think the larger scale story here is is that um, I think the I think the city I think the fan base has uh, grown wary, grown thin of, of Frank Reich. I think that's the, the, the real story. And all these moves don't make that better. Uh, three victories in a row will make that better. Being competitive in the AFC South will make that better. Winning, winning solves everything. This, is, this isn't new. But with this, this Naeem Hines move, and I always said Naeem and, and, and Jambis and Naeem, and I, I'm like, have I pronounced his name wrong? I feel terrible. I I, I clearly didn't listen a, a, enough uh, to people pronouncing his name, Naheem Hines. Um, I, I I think this is seen as a, well, I don't even know what this move is. If it was just, hey, you want out and we can't give you this stuff, sure, you're out. I, it seems awkward. And it's going to come back on uh, Chris Ballard and, and Reich. That's where this looks like it's going for sure. More coming up. Keep it right here. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today. This is last ditch. This is last gasp. This is just flat out weak. And allow me to say clearly, I believe that President Joe Biden is trying to fan the flames of violence. I believe he's trying to make people believe that you cannot trust this election cycle. You won't be able to trust Election Day. I believe that if there is violence on Election Day, that Joe Biden is culpable. I'm saying it. I mean it. And I don't say it lightly. I don't say it blankly. I don't say it just to say it. Joe Biden's going to deliver a speech tonight. 
at Union Station. Why in the world is the man playing with trains? He's going to be at Union Station near the Capitol. Why? Because, and I'm quoting here, that's where there was an attempt to subvert our democracy. What have I been saying? What have I been saying? If you watched my video last night on Rumble, uh, presented by Americans for Prosperity, you heard me saying the reason that the political left is losing this election, losing based on every number, is because they are completely disconnected from you, me, and we. They are disconnected from reality. Absolutely, positively, nothing. Nothing they are saying, nothing they are doing makes any sense to us. We the people. We listen and we're like, this is not what we're talking about. Abortion and we have to allow children mutilate themselves to decide their gender? It's not what we're talking about. It's not what we're in any way talking about. We're talking about inflation. We're talking about crime. We're talking about the border. We're talking about parents having rights in the schools. The left is totally disconnected from what it is we're talking about. What it is that matters to us and the us is is a huge, huge swath of people. The us is indeed Republicans and conservatives. The us is also independents and moderates. The us is soccer moms. The us are people who are black and white and Asian and Hispanic. The us are a whole mass of people, including some Democrats who said, look, I may have voted for Biden, but what I wanted was normalcy. I thought if I voted for Biden, I wouldn't have any more crazy tweets and anger and this and that. And what they get even crazier stuff. America doesn't think that January 6th was an insurrection. They don't compare it in any way, shape, or form to 9-11. Only the worst propagandists, only the most evil people do that. Was January 6th wrong? Yes. Yes. People who broke into the Capitol, they got to deal with that fact. Some of them are going to be found guilty of things. Do I excuse the way people are being held and being treated, not able to see doctors kept in solitary confinement? Absolutely not. It's disgusting and immoral. And I don't hear anything from Liz Cheney on this subject. No, Liz Cheney just wants to tell you how she's going to support Tim Ryan in the Ohio Senate race against J.D. Vance. Tim Ryan voted with Joe Biden 100% of the time. And Liz Cheney is going to tell me how she's a real conservative? If you don't like J.D. Vance, you don't vote for J.D. Vance. You don't say, instead, I'm going to vote for somebody who is in favor of nothing that I stand for. J.D. Vance is in favor of some things you stand for. So the rational mind says, I vote for J.D. Vance. With Hillary Clinton, I got absolutely nothing I wanted. With Donald Trump, it was a jump ball. It's a 50-50 shot. I went with the odds. You know who said that? Me. In 2016, I wasn't on the Trump train. I wasn't anti-Trump. I was never, never Trump. Never Trump is one of the most ridiculous, pathetic things I've ever seen in a very non-conservative point of view. But I never lie. I wasn't on the Trump train. But I took a look at what was in front of me and I said, you know what? I'm going to go with the odds. And it worked out pretty good uh, policy-wise for Tony. Not too shabby for Tony. That's what the rational mind does. But a lot of people in the 2020 election didn't vote rationally. They voted emotionally. 
which is, of course, the wrong way to vote. You're not voting for a boyfriend. You're voting for the country and how it's run and how you could lead a better life. So, you know, use your brain. Stop telling me about your emotional state. It's just too crazy. Well, people voted emotionally, and that, of course, was wrong with, for them. And now what they're saying is things are crazier than ever. So now they're going to vote for Republicans to gain some normalcy. And Joe Biden's response to this is, oh, democracy is under attack. He's going, he's going to address, quote, the threat of election deniers and those who seek to undermine faith in voting and democracy. This is obscene. This is, this is gross from the president of the United States telling you not to have faith in the midterm elections because Democrats are going to lose the House and the Senate based on the latest models. Is it true? I think they definitely lose the House. I'm still not sold that they lose the Senate. Not that I don't want them to. I'm just not sold based on, on the numbers. Maybe it's because I'm one bit and t- once bitten, twice shy, right? That's very possible, too. But everything looks in that trend for Republicans. It just does. And maybe I'll change my mind tomorrow based on some new data. What Joe Biden is doing tonight is despicable, low rent and low class. But then again, so is Joe Biden. Find everything, TonyCats.Locals.com. TonyCats.Locals.com. You know I love you, Boo Bear. We'll catch you tomorrow, everyone. Take care.